Ladies and gentlemen, welcome aboard the TV Pilot's License, flight number 29, with service to Bon Tom, Louisiana. We ask that you please fasten your headphones at this time, secure your podcasting device, and remember that if your neighbor happens to be a vampire and you are in a window seat, please make sure to shut your window. It's just a courtesy. And be polite. (laughs) Don't stare. No photos. They won't come out anyways. Welcome to the TV Pilot's License. <laughs> My name is Jeff Kerbis, joined by Max Singer and Rich Inman. How are you boys doing today? Oh, I do say I am mighty good today, <laughs> Jeff. We got a lot to talk about, and I am more nervous than a long-tailed cat in a room full of rocket chairs. Oh, yeah, yeah I, I say, I say, no one, no one makes a fool out of the people of Bon Top, Louisiana, except in the Lord Himself. Oh. And considering I'm the only one who was technically raised in the South, I am really uh, put back here. Um, Well, gentlemen, this week we are speaking about HBO's True Blood. Really given that True Blood is now being syndicated on TNT. Mm. I have a lot of questions about how long the episodes are, uh, given some of the things we saw. But you ever watch Forrest Gump on, on TBS? It's like three times as long. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But before we venture this week into this fantasy, sexy thriller, it appears that a dark, mysterious stranger has come on board this flight (laughs) and ordered a True Blood or maybe just some Bloody Mary mix. Our guest this week (laughs) is the host of the Trashy Trashy podcast, where they take a look at, or excuse me, a dumpster dive on the week's garbage (laughs) people and a look at all of the trashiest news stories. Please welcome Erica Curry. Erica, thanks for joining. Welcome. Erica, welcome. I do declare it's an honor to be here. <laughs> uh, Everyone gets one but Jeff. No, yeah, I'm, I'm I, I was raised in Oklahoma, so I kind of oh, describe okay, myself like the South or the Midwest, depending on South if you think adjacent. we're racist or boring. <laughs> Yeah, it's kind of a toss-up. I am yeah. so excited for today's improvised Tennessee Williams play. <laughs> yeah, welcome, welcome to Off Book, ladies and gentlemen. Well, for those of you who might be finding our podcast for the first time, or those of you who might be here for Erica, Max, do you mind telling folks what this podcast is all about? So here at TV Pilots License, we take a look at some of uh, TV's most famous, or in some cases, infamous pilot episodes. We figure out how these shows came to be, get to know a little bit more about their creators and writers, and we discuss whether or not we think they can be made today, and if they're effective in making us want to watch more of the series. We've got a whole bank of episodes wherever you get your podcasts from, so go and find a show you'd love and enjoy. Take a listen to something you've never seen before but have always wanted to check out. Uh, If you're here for Erica, go stream Trashy Trashy as well, and welcome aboard today's flight. And Rich, what is your question of the week? So a lot of this pilot revolves around human curiosity of vampire lives and culture and just experiencing them in many different forms. Uh, I'll, I won't give that any spoilers for that. Um, if your curiosity got the best of you and you were living in the true blood universe, how far would you let a vampire just go crazy? Like what, what would you experience? What would be your, your cap on, on, just letting a vampire do what they want. Erica, as our guest, I'll <laughs> yeah. let you go first. I, I um, am a like a serial monogamous, and I, mm-hmm. I hate 
I hate that about myself. <laughs> uh, so I, I would love to be like, oh, I'd be so adventurous and frisky and being in all the vampire <laughs> whole houses. But uh, to be honest, I would uh, probably be like, no, he's like my best friend. And oh. eventually... <laughs> date a vampire for a very long time <laughs> and within that we can explore and have fun and all these things but i i would be like no no we're just we're just like best friends meanwhile it's I like it. we only hang out you're my emotional support you know complete uh like when I might you have finally a, a take that rosary boyfriend. off yeah when i take the rosary off i'm like this is for you yeah yeah that that's that's how I would play. I would love to be in the committed relationship, human vampire, because wow. I just wow. like to stick it to the man, you know. <laughs> oh, I see what you did there. I, I've got a really <laughs> big problem in this vampire hypothetical, which is I'm in bed by 11 most nights. I am like such an early to bed kind of guy that I don't think I could keep up with the vampire lifestyle. It would be like a real touch and go kind of friendship, like. I would meet up with them like they could get a true blood. I'll grab a beer or a glass of wine. We could, you know, talk about the past couple hundred years or whatever. But it would really be like we're going to meet up early and then I got to get out of here. But like text me. Great. Yeah. I see. I feel like in my 20s, I was meant to be with a vampire, right? Like maybe <laughs> two hours of sleep a night. Um, I am you got married most- in your 20s, right, buddy? I'm talking about early 20s. Let's talk about like 20, 21, maybe 22. Um, But like the thing that I come to question is if we're dealing with some of these vampires, sort of like uh, we're dealing with Bill Compton, who we'll talk about later, they've been alive for hundreds of years and they have all these stories. So I feel like it might be a very one-sided conversation and relationship of, Oh, everything I have experienced already, and I'm just here being the dope who's like, "This is so new and so exciting," and they're like, "Oh yeah, I've been through two world war. <laughs> world War Three is nothing." <laughs> Rich, what about you? I'm pretty haphazard with how I live my life sometimes, so I'd probably I'd probably go further than I would admit on on, <laughs> on a broadcast that maybe my family listens to. I'd probably let one bite me. There you go. <laughs> I mean, and, uh, you, gotta, you, you only live once, and then sometimes you only live once for 7,000 years. Rich, I was really surprised your question of the week wasn't how <laughs> much would you let a vampire pay you to bite you? Because I think $1,000 is a really, like, solid That doesn't get number, you anything but, anymore. Like, do <laughs> yes. I need, like, a few more? I, I think, like, rent should be paid. Uh, yeah. by a vampire biting you. But yeah, who knows if anyone here is on seeking arrangement with some sort of vampire fetish, uh, I would suggest raising those rates a little bit. These are these are old numbers. Very I'm talking so- 400,000 minimum for a yeah. bite. Okay. If we're All not right. in a committed relationship. All right. Mm. All right. That's okay. an that's... yeah, that's a down payment on like a starter home in Los Angeles. So that's <laughs> in this economy, like that's where I'm going with that. Yeah. Well, but don't give it away. Rich, thank you so much for that question of the week. Um, For those who maybe want to watch True Blood before they listen to this podcast, uh, we'll be right here. Press pause and go on to HBO Max. Or if you want to watch the censored version, which we will not be talking about today, go and watch it on TNT. But before we dive into True Blood a little bit more, a quick synopsis. Telepathic waitress Sookie Stackhouse encounters a strange new supernatural world when she meets the mysterious Bill Compton, a southern Louisiana gentleman, and a vampire. 
Very short, very sweet. Max, how was this show made? So today we're talking about True Blood's pilot titled Strange Love, which aired on HBO September 7th, 2008. Super fast sidebar, 2008, maybe the biggest year for vampires in American pop culture history. You get both the premiere of True Blood and you get the, uh, oh, uh, the, the, the first Twilight movie ever yep. hear of it. Yeah, so like, the, the movie that invented baseball. So like fall, <laughs> fall 08, just peak vampire in American culture. Uh, I would love to learn more as to what was going on in like the last years of the Bush administration that led to this fascination. <laughs> uh, but that's in my other podcast. Uh, so we are going to be talking about writer and creator Alan Ball today. Uh, Ball, like many people who discussed in the show, actually got his start as a playwright, but not in New York, not in D.C., not in Chicago. Our story begins in the theater mecca of Sarasota, Florida. Yeah! Oh, yes, let's go. <laughs> what theater uh, is there? So I've been there so many times. After graduating with a theater degree from Florida State, Ball moves to Sarasota where he launches the General Nonsense Theater Company with classmate Nancy Oliver. Uh, they stage plays and record them for public access TV in Florida. Nancy Oliver, actually an incredibly acclaimed writer in her own right, an Academy Award nominee for Lars and the Real Girl. Uh, in 1986, Ball leaves Sarasota and moves to New York City, uh, kind of the opposite of what most people do. Typically, you move from New York City and then go to Sarasota, Florida. <laughs> uh, Ball starts in Florida. But she's not 73. Uh, so once in New York, Alan Ball, he founds the Alarm Dog Repertory Theater Company while working as a graphic designer to pay the bills. And one of his plays that he puts on called uh, Five Women Wearing the Same Dress, ends up getting produced by the Manhattan Class Company and stars a young Thomas Gibson, who you may know from Dharma and Greg and Criminal Minds, alongside Allison Janney. This play starts to get some buzz going in the New York theater scene. It actually gets optioned for a film version by Columbia Pictures. It never gets made, but Ball's work gets a little bit of eyes on him. And in 1993, he is hired as a staff writer on the new ABC sitcom Grace Under Fire, created by young Chuck Lorre. Uh, so Ball writes there for a little bit, goes on to write with Lorre on his next show, uh, Sybil, starring Sybil Shepard, where he's also an executive producer. And while Ball's working on Sybil, he's starting to miss his theater days. He's starting to get a little sick of like network sitcom life. He wants to get some of that drama back into it. So he's encouraged by his agent to write a spec script as a sample just to prove that he can make as a dramatic film writer. This script that Ball writes is actually American Beauty, which goes oh, wow. on oh. to net Ball an Academy Award for Best Original <clears throat> Screenplay, as well as winning Best Picture that year. Damn. At the same time, though, as American Beauty, Ball has his first solo-created sitcom airing on ABC, which is Flopping a show called Oh, Grow Up, which only lasts 11 episodes. Oh, wow. So he's in this kind of weird flux where he's getting absolutely panned on network TV, but he also just won an Academy Award. HBO is starting to really become this like hot new cable broadcasting TV channel at this point. Shows like Oz and Sopranos are rising to critical acclaim. And HBO reaches out to Ball with a simple idea. We want to create a show that's centered around a family-run funeral home. So Ball uh. takes that, runs with it, and writes the first draft of the pilot that'll become Six Feet Under. Lee Pace. He, a... he gave us Lee Pace. He did. He I'm did in love give with us this Lee Pace. man. 
we will always have him to thank for Michael C. Hall and Lee Pace. Um, <laughs> and Richard Jenkins. Um, <laughs> Ball gets one simple note from the HBO executives. It feels kind of safe. Can you make it more fucked up? Wow. <laughs> Which is a note that Ball's clearly run with for the rest of his career. <laughs> Six feet under just becomes this Emmy-dominating show. It's It's got an incredible cultural cachet. It's considered one of the most successful and acclaimed shows of this century. And afterwards, Ball has an overall deal with HBO to basically do whatever he wants after Six Feet Under ends in 2005. And while he's looking for inspiration, he ends up becoming super interested in this book series by author Charlene Harris titled The Southern Vampire Mysteries, which are a series of books about a telepathic waitress in the town of Ballton, Louisiana, named <laughs> Sookie Stackhouse. Uh, Ball is able to convince Harris to allow him to get the rights to this book series, develop the show, and that takes us to today's True Blood pilot. And I was reading, too, that um, when he discovered those books, it was because he was 30 minutes early to a dentist appointment and wandered around Barnes & Noble for a half hour waiting oh for his dentist God. appointment. And Who if they didn't us? have that, that wouldn't the show wouldn't have existed. That is So, just... yeah, take that, Amazon. Bookstores matter. <laughs> <laughs> Well, are you guys ready to uh, take a bite uh, into True wow. Blood? Oh, wow. Just amazing. Um, <laughs> I so, do say I am. <laughs> so we kick things off. Uh, you know, I want to give the RIP to Ballers because this is the horniest opening of a show that we have <laughs> ever done in our time. And You tried so hard, The Rock. I am so glad that you're here. Uh, being our trashy, trashy uh, correspondent, <laughs> what is trashier than starting to give someone a hand job in your while automobile driving. while driving because they're, I believe, falling asleep? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, did we have your interest peaked just from the start? Instant. I was like, great. I also love the feminine drive that it had. She's like, uh, like I'm not like I'm not gonna blow you while you're driving. I'm gonna give you a hand job while I'm driving. Like, yeah, love the ownership get more of the power she had. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like the danger is in the palm of my hand. I'm the power in this couple. <laughs> I truly, uh, nothing is trashier than sexual acts while driving. <laughs> like, uh, truly, it's a danger to everyone involved, and nothing True. puts you to sleep. Like a cum. <laughs> like, like, what is she thinking? He's going to go Put to sleep and you're going to be left driving the rest, rest oh, of man. the way with him asleep. Like everyone knows when you're driving, the person in the passenger seat has to be up to keep you awake on a road trip. That's passenger, right. you know, the people in the backseat can sleep, then you rotate. Like that's how you drive to Destin, Florida from Stillwater, Oklahoma in one, one evening. Like you rotate. Yeah, he's um, really doing a terrible job at the rules of shotgun like to begin with. Yeah. Oh, no, it's one of the most rude things you can do of just being the sleeping passenger in Shotgun. Um, <laughs> but as we are, you know, proceeding with the hand job, we immediately stop uh, because we see a sign that says we have true blood. Um, and a I proud really, moment for edging in this, in this episode. <laughs> I really loved this opening scene a lot. Um, I thought that it did such a good job of setting the scene of we are in the middle of nowhere, Louisiana, um, where the concept, where we're starting to get a idea of the rules of the game of like, hey, vampires do exist. We have this 
like almost diplomat on the TV uh, of what gas station has HBO on the TV. I have a lot yeah. of questions of who's paying for that cable package. <laughs> this is some major <laughs> plugging going on. This is like maybe one of our first like inter uh, in like our, our first inter network plug. Oh man, of, I know like... where you get the plugging that quickly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the, the Ouroboros of the plug was wow. Like also I, no, nothing trashier than a white escalade. Oh wow. Oh, two thousand eight a white escalade yeah. that the, the couple's driving. I was like peak trash that sounds like a ti song <laughs> but like during this scene we start to get some ideas right true blood vampires have only recently come out um and i'm very specifically using that come out phrase we're going to talk about some of the allegories of the Ooh. show as well um but the idea of oh there is the substance that's available Ooh, it's a novelty um as well but there's some other small tidbits that we learn Vampire blood, known as V, seems to be a drug of some sort that people can get. Uh, that it's like bee pollen. Beans. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. People sure. just feel healthier after they yeah. consume it. And yeah, no one knows moon why. Juice, you buy some vampire blood. <laughs> <laughs> and then we have this really like I love the idea of the misdirect. Right, we see this man who like we all have, and this was right around Twilight. Right. Of the concept of a vampire, they're very put together and demure almost. And Great then we sense. have this guy who's just in the back, you know, a good old boy, and then the fangs pop out, and that's our introduction to you don't know who a vampire is yeah. in this. Um before very, we very smart choice. One of my favorite intros ever. Uh can we any other thoughts about our cold open? Yeah, the, the boy with the stars and bars on his hat who ends up being the vampire is credited on IMDb as good old boy vampire, which is one of my favorite <laughs> actor credits. Um, oh, uh, I would put that. That would be my headshot. <laughs> that would be on my headshot. But yeah, just, just really quick from the scene. I, I love the cashier's line of, you didn't know that New Orleans is a mecca for the vampires, like setting the allure of the world we're in. Um, mm -hmm. And just the science of it, the the American Vampire League representative talking about how the Japanese have invented synthetic blood that quells needs of vampires. Like, I, I like that we use a cold open with characters that we never see again for the rest of this show just to get, like, our exposition and world out there. We don't, Wait. we don't, like, make our lead characters do too much of that lifting. It's just, here's, like, three minutes to set up the world we live in, and then we're going to plow ahead from there. Bill Maher oh. doesn't come back? Oh, no. Oh, oh, <laughs> Is he Bill. not a vampire himself? Eating off the blood of... No. Uh, uh, he I just looks would... like Dracula. <laughs> I would like to see the clerk, like the gas station clerk who puts on the vampire tail, like that accent. I would like to see just like, maybe in three or four seasons, him come back <laughs> as like a... a, a like, his death has happened and you're like oh mm. did he imitate a vampire again Ooh. and the good old boys found him like that would be a fun Ooh. wink a nice teaser pilot. yeah i think that would be a fun uh, yeah but i liked the, i liked the opening a lot i thought it did a good <laughs> job so then i just want to really quickly talk about this intro because i think it opens really in this sense of max as you said like it's fucked up. it's a fucked up opening right like we get these small shots we have the, I don't know the exact name of the song, but I thought it's just perfect. It gives us this sense of we are in this unknown deep south sort of contingency with the idea of like 
very, very specific imagery being shared of the concept of death and then God hates fangs uh, being shown oh, to us man. outside of a church. Like, if you did not get the sense that vampires in the show are supposed to represent the LGBTQ plus community, then boy, I'm here to tell you that is the case. I want you to rethink a lot of this show because we're yeah. going to be talking about it as well. But anything else that you guys got from that intro other than just a banger of a song with it? Yeah, what a great Bad fucking Things song. by Jace Everett is the song, which yeah. is a great title for what it's setting. I did just like the the clips and the way that kind of like had the erosion and showed like the length of time this has been and just like the the setting of like old photographs to tell historical stories and just kind of the discrimination that's happened throughout like that that kind of allegory mm -hmm. of, mm -hmm. of images we see from like our civil rights and and things like that like it was just it's a really good opening we're in an unreal era of tv theme songs around this time i mean this breaking bad um mad men all mm -hmm. just like you had to come out strong with a good theme song at this point like i, I don't think it's really necessary anymore because everyone just does skip intro yeah. But this was such a banger. No, HBO and, Max. And, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, and in two years, we get the Game of Thrones opening. Yes. Yeah, and I'm currently oh. watching White Lotus. And, like, HBO gives me that option of skipping the intro. And I'm like, yeah. nope. No one nope, ever skips the I am, intro. Never. I'm going, I'm going for that. <laughs> it's a banger. And I'm like, I'm banging. I'm, like, going to it. So, like, when this came on, I was like, I am in. Let's yeah. go. Um, but we go to our first, like, actual scene. Uh, we're at Merlot's, uh, which seems to be the watering hole for Bontom, uh, as a whole. And we get to meet the protagonist of our show, Sookie, Stook, or Sookie Stackhouse, played by Anna Paquin. Um, and Sookie's, Academy Award winner, baby! Yeah, and Sookie's not your normal girl. Uh, as we come to find out... As, I'm not like other girls. I can yeah, read everyone's thoughts intrusively. I can hear everyone's <laughs> thoughts, and everyone, they throw out the R word around Sookie like it bit. is goddamn candy. Um, as far as, like, a leading character for our show, did you guys get any, like, was there anything that you thought from this first scene of, like, ooh, this is gonna be fun and interesting? Or, like, is this a little bit, like, Wait, way too much happening for me right now. <laughs> See, I thought it was a misdirect in general because she could read the thoughts. The customer says, um, uh, the uh, the bartender, the owner, Sam, I believe, comments about, like, why do you have a, sp sp or no, Lafayette says, like, why do you have a spray tan on that lipstick on? She's like, well, a spray tan. I'm like, because she's super pale. Uh, you know, she's like, I get oh. tips when I wear makeup. I can hear everyone's thoughts. I thought for the first two to three minutes, she was a vampire herself or some type of possible you know mix in some way of vampire human i don't know what the genealogy looks like i'm still learning the world but i thought she had something that was vampiric herself being able to hear these thoughts yeah so of, of this that. time frame again super pale blonde hair able to read thoughts that also does play into other popular vampire mythology that was coming out of this time as well yeah. And yeah. as we are like sort of just a very quick intro to Sookie, we also have a very quick intro to another character of uh, Tara. Um, I loved 
this scene at the I think the store was called Super Save Bunch. Uh, and Super Save a Bunch, baby. Super Save a Bunch, one great name for any <laughs> store. I don't think that's trademarked or copywritten, so please go and uh, put that license down. But like, Tara's rage quit is the rage quit I think we've all wanted to do at some point in our lives. And the actress who plays her just nails it mm-hmm. from the start of it all. Like nails the rage quit, but I do have some questions on the accent work. <laughs> <laughs> she okay. So Tara immediately comes off as bananas in this uh, in, in in this show because like she lost it for almost nothing. Anyone who has worked in retail had, can handle a conversation like that. She was ready to go already. This is like a hair trigger. So it wasn't this one. It was all the ones leading up to this Big one. Time. This was just the straw that broke the camel's back. That lady's pantsuit, the size of the buttons, that's what broke Tara in that moment. And like, the manager that keeps smacking her ass, apparently. Yeah. Lot, lots happening off camera. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but when we get back to... We go right back to Merlot's. There's a lot of... I The way that I broke down, like... So I take notes for these shows. But, like, the way that I broke down this show, it's like, hey, gas station, Merlot's Bar and Grill. We're back at Merlot's. We're back at Merlot's again. Mm-hmm. Smut scene. We're going to talk about that. Um, so, But, like, as we get back to Merlot's, we start to meet, like, a few of the other people. This wild, like, southern stereotypes that we're going to have of, like, Sam, Arlene, Dawn, uh, Lafayette, who, you know, like, I love the character and the concept of Lafayette. Like, is it a little bit of a stereotype? Yes. It's it's a little bit of a weird stereotype that, like... But the actor who plays Lafayette just does... Su- eats everything yeah. up and kills it as a whole. Yeah. I will Nelson say... Ellis is phenomenal here, R.I.P. Yeah, R.I.P. Yeah, oh. yeah. I, I saw such a career for him breaking away from that stereotypical role, but also thriving in things that came out later, like in the Ryan Murphy universe or like yeah. something in mm-hmm. a, you know, like in Pose or something like that. Like I really could see him thriving in roles like that. But yeah, R- RIP. I will say we're also looking at that character with 2023 eyes. I, yeah. I we, yeah. it is 15 years ago. I would, I mean, um, just, just so you know how far, I mean, just to provide context of how far we've come since 28, uh, 2008, is uh, Barack Obama ran on an anti-gay marriage platform for his first term uh, running for president. It was extremely unaccepted. And this character, you know, even though it is several years after Will and Grace, it's several years after the Ellen DeGeneres show and stuff like that, um, it is still a kind of radical act to have a black gay character like this. And mm-hmm. yeah, it, it, it is like, you know, obviously right now that character would be like, okay, whoa, tone it down a little bit. Like, you know, we, we, we get they're gay. We get it. Uh, but this is kind of like more of a radical, like, oh, we're going to have like a badass like black gay character mm-hmm. in, in the show. Yeah. And if there is, if there's one thing that I've been told about this show and I haven't watched anything beyond the pilot is that you are going to fall in love with Lafayette. Like he oh, is like oh, he becomes, incredible. Yeah. He becomes yeah. a fan favorite very very yeah quickly. yeah um, easily one of my favorites from this also this is our second hbo self-promotion in like, it up. 
Yeah, and like five minutes in, one of the servers on the phone talking about how she doesn't want her uh, her child watching an HBO movie. And it's like, man, HBO is like <laughs> plugging that. It's like, we have racy movies on our platform. We have Bill Maher. Like HBO just keeps plugging itself. And I'm trying to imagine any show in 2023 just like consistently being like, well, I mean, actually, no, Disney does that. Like Abbott Elementary, every other joke is about Avengers or Disney movies or things like that. But like you're watching Barry and it's like just like watching Sex in the City reruns or something or talking about yeah. HBO Max. Yeah. And there was one other line in this scene that I loved. And it was from Lafayette when he said, I know every man straight, gay or George motherfucking Bush is terrified of the pussy. And I just was just like, we're setting the tone early. This is the character uh-huh. that you are going to that has no regards for sensitivities, anything like that absolutely just going to bring their truth and honesty yeah. wherever they are there i do um, miss our attitude of the second bush gen uh the second bush term where we're just like fuck angry. this we know it's all angry. bullshit it was no this hope, guy or John no hope Perry, just and, anger, we chose... and i like that a lot <laughs> i i also loved how he even spoke to like the gentleman in the overalls like the no shirt overalls like very stereotypical yes. oh Southern man he was oh. but it wasn't like in like the guy didn't react in like hostility or homophobia he was just like yeah, I deserve this. You know, just kind of was like, <laughs> yeah, Lafayette's right. You're right. Okay. Like, you know, it was just, it was it just. He, he also knows he would get his ass beat by both those characters. Yeah, when, Lafayette, when Lafayette tells that man, you could be my Santa Claus, and he just kind of like nods along and smiles. <laughs> I, All right, I'm going back say, to the kitchen. I'm going back to the kitchen. I'm in the phone book. I, Erica, um, I, I don't know if you're too familiar, but we've just started recently having a daddy of the week. And uh, Overalls Man is an early favorite for Daddy of the Week. <laughs> what? 100%. Over Lafayette? Lafayette is the Daddy of the Week, uh, by far. Lafayette, <laughs> there are a lot of contenders in this episode. We Maybe will Jason. it a little Maybe bit later. Can I have two daddies now that <laughs> gay marriage is legal? <laughs> um, Careful, it's 2008. But right. A family could be ten dads. <laughs> a family could be ten dads. <laughs> oh my god, did we have our first birthday boys reference? Oh my god. <laughs> Well, talking about being terrified of the pussy, uh, the next scene that we have is Jason Stackhouse eating out a topless woman. Um, Let's just say very generously, uh, which, like, good for you, HBO, for showing that, you know, women deserve a little bit of foreplay, if not a lot of foreplay. Um, There's an awful lot of cunnilingus in this pilot. And we sort of get the first idea of, like, human vampire sexual relations as a whole of the idea that it sort of seems to be this taboo topic of having sex with vampires because Jason finds bite marks on the leg of uh, this woman that he is, um, you know, presumably having sex with in regards to other things. Uh, And from this point, we start to learn of like, hey, she was paid. I would like, we already talked about it, but $1,000 to have sex with this vampire, get bitten, and there's a video, um, which immediately I was like, wait, I thought vampires can't be in photographs or videos, um, and this show proved me very wrong. (laughs) The great thing is, like, the vampire lore can evolve with every telling. Uh, You know, that's the beautiful thing about... All of it. You know, it's, it's really in the eye of the beholder. Again, I like the HBO. I think that if this were made in 2023, we would see a lot more 
physically of these two characters. Mm -hmm. But I do love that it was like, again, they kind of took that feminist flip of like, oh, he's eating her out. Like, that's Mm -hmm. that's the, this is the scene. She's not like doing something to him. Like, obviously it was to help discover the bite mark on the thigh, but it was just cool to see like, oh no, this is her. Like, yeah. There's a lot of feminine power demonstrations in this. And yeah. And, uh, you know, we did talk about that. uh, Okay. How are they filming a vampire sex tape? when vampires can't show up on film and it's and that is because there is a mirror inside uh, most video cameras so they explain that away in the pilot of what we do in the shadows saying that uh, it's a mirror free uh, camera it's just like a regular uh, camera without mirrored video and i have to imagine they just wanted us to figure that out ourselves i guess who knows <laughs> I just for anyone to... who, for anyone who just threw away the pilot at this particular moment <laughs> I just love, too, the, the size of the video camera. Nowadays, it would be just, like, a pin-sized microscopic right. camera hidden in, like, a oh, phone no. charger. Or like, oh, it is just, like, amongst the teddy bears, just, like, a human head. Like, that's that kind of, like, just set, like, all hiding the teddy bears. Like, it's big and visible. And I'm like... I definitely think you would look for, you would see that. Like, 2008, baby, we're still on iPhone if you're 1. blinded, that's not what you're looking for. But <laughs> it just feels very visible. <laughs> but from here, so we have this idea of, uh, we leave that scene with, oh, there's a tape. Um, we're back to Merlot's, and we get to meet our first vampire that's living in Bontam. I, I fucking love this intro. I'm sorry. This is this is hilarious to me. The shift to the dramatic piano music, the way the lights dim around mm. the mysterious stranger, all of the choices that Alan Ball makes here are they're so over the top. They are so funny to me. They are so dramatic. I I love it. it it's it's almost campy in a way, like how over the top dramatic it is, and it just highlights the vampireiness of this man <laughs> so like i i my question for the two for the three of you because i have watched almost every single episode of wow. this show spoiler alert uh we'll talk about how weird it gets later but what did you think of the chemistry between sookie stackhouse and this mysterious vampire on face value of their first meeting I feel like it's it's a little bit of that, um, like that like southern energy like she carries that just like demure kind of awkward appropriate behavior she's trying to muster, but him being somewhat aloof to an extent and her being like, I have to win his approval. I have to show I'm worth this conversation. You know, it was kind of that um she wasn't eager and like her mo- you know, she wasn't fast, she wasn't this, but it, it was a little more sped up than her being sultry. You know, Sultry's more slow, the way Bill talks, and more with pauses. And she was kind of like, you know, kind of high energy volume showing kind of more like cute girl than like sultry, sexy woman in my, you know, so it's kind of like that dynamic was already established of, yeah, they seem earning this. I think they're, I think the intent for at least this episode is to make Sookie look kind of like a, like virgin esque. 
to be like the virgin vampire bride kind of thing. Yeah. And then, because she says constantly how... Yeah, that she doesn't have like, sex with sex anyone. She doesn't to kiss speak people. Of. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. yeah, no no man in her life, no sex life to speak of. And I don't know, maybe that's the allure for the vampires. That could be like, if like we're going to back to like original historical context for mm-hmm. original vampire lore and stuff like that, I think that might be part of it. But yeah, uh she basically approaches it like, hey, here's someone who I can talk to who doesn't think I'm an idiot for no reason. Or doesn't treat me like an idiot. Yeah. Did- I do like that his name is just Bill. Mm-hmm. Bill the Vampire. <laughs> That's so Louisiana in a way. Like It's very Bob the Drag Queen. Very Bob the Drag Queen. <laughs> like, I, we have a family friend who's always said their name is A-Bear. So in my oh, head, nice. I've always pronounced it. A B E A B E A R or A B A R E, you know. Uh, no, it's spelled H O B E R T. They're from Louisiana. It's Hobert. Oh, oh my god! Pronounced in their Creole, you know, kind of Cajun. A bear. A bear. Yeah. Oh my. It's like my favorite, like Bill, the just, Bill Vampa. Just all all Tennessee Williams characters, every single one of them. <laughs> but one of the things that we found out about in this uh, scene was there is this vampire rights amendment uh, that is just thrown out. And this gave me such vibes of uh, the get out. Like I would have voted for Obama a third time if right. I could have <laughs> like, like, Oh yeah. Like this is, I have no idea what to talk to you about. I'm just so excited to meet you. Um, vampire rights amendment, right? Like, can I get a high five and an amen, please? Yes. It's the it's the birth of white guilty liberalism. Yeah, I, I'm one of the good ones. Well, <laughs> think think about at this time, you know, uh, Dick Cheney literally was a vampire as vice president, so of course you have to promote this legislature. Yeah. It's representation. Representation yeah, matters. It does. Uh, so. We, as soon as this happens, we go back to uh, my scene that I just have labeled as back to smut. And the only thing that I have written down is fear boner, fear boner, fear boner, fear boner, fear boner. As uh, <laughs> Jason is vigorously, is the only way I can explain it, yes. uh, having sex with uh, this woman while uh, watching vampire sex tapes, trying to simulate all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um and all while, like, really, you can tell that there's almost this, like, vampire hate deep within him, uh, the way that he's talking to her, as if she yeah. is now sullied because she's had sex with a vampire. Yes. Yeah, yes. that is. Um, and, you know, Jeff, I think right now would probably be a pretty decent time to start getting into the allegory of this with the queer community. Because I have to... Okay, so... Obviously, you're going to go more into this from your own research, but um, this is definitely like a, oh, you slept with a bisexual man kind of like yes. situation. It's like, oh, I we're, we're, we're getting progressively past the AIDS epidemic at this point where we're starting to see more representation of queer people in the media. And um, yeah, I'm just curious, like what you think from your own uh like personal understanding of the allegory of the of the queer community and this show what that you see right here it's it's one of the really i think that what this episode does 
is very much established. Like, I talked about it a little bit earlier. It establishes the rules of the game. Who is the party that is being victimized Mm -hmm. in this case? And in the beginning, and one of the things that I think this next scene really, really does well is vampires are not safe in this world. We've been raised to believe that vampires are these scary individuals with all these abilities and they can Mm -hmm. mind control us and all these things. Mm -hmm. In the literal next scene, and I do not think this was a thing that was taken lightly, we see Bill being sucked dry of his blood with very small little silver chains Mm -hmm. uh, that Sookie almost like very easily just takes off of him without Mm -hmm. any effort so ever just to see the like and this might be me thinking way too deep into this show but like (laughs) the effortlessness with which she does that just showing the oppression that and the victimization that vampires and in this case and during 2007 2008 when we're talking about this the victimization of the lgbtq plus community that we're talking about the idea that we have lafayette out and about unabashedly uh being a queer or gay in this instance we are not told what he or they are at this point but a vampire is being shamed is just so striking uh and done and it's just so well done as a whole of being different in at this time in this universe is being a vampire what I also think is a strong writing choice by Alan Ball is it, we don't know who Jason Stackhouse is at this point in the episode. Obviously, looking back on it and discussing the show, we are aware who this character is. Yeah. But in the context of watching it for the first time, this is my first time watching this episode, I don't know who this character is. And so it's interesting to do these cut scenes to this sexual situation where we're playing on how he uh, talks to Maudette, the the discrimination there, uh, the way that he views her as a sexual object based on her history and what she's done before and what Rich touched upon. And because we aren't aware of who this character is, it's like, it's almost just used as a framing device for this larger allegory. Mm -hmm. And so when you learn who Jason is, it does then kind of tie it back to like, you know, the people who are our family, our friends, they might have these these biases and these prejudices that we don't even know about. And you see someone like Sookie who is like, well, I support the vampire rights amendment. You know, I, I care about vampires. They're a part of our community. And someone like Jason, you know, his perception of vampires is so different from his sisters, but like they don't they don't know that of each other. I think it's really smart of Ball to like tie it into like how you could have these different vantage points under the same roof. And it's also, interesting that Suki kind of has that moment of of like professing to be an ally. Like listen how I listen how I am an ally. Like telling mm-hmm. someone you're an ally not exactly how you do it. But then she then shows him. Like she's like I have this privilege. I'm going to exercise it and actually physically stop these people from doing the thing that they're doing. And yeah, like liter- literally giving a lesson. Pre- it to yeah. folks of like if you see wrongdoing happening insert yourself no matter what yeah. others are telling you everyone is telling her not to get involved yeah. to mm-hmm. let bill you know suffice for himself he's a vampire guess what he needed help and in this instance we like we start to see some very 
interesting things, right? These telepathic powers we see start to evolve into full-on psychic powers. Mm. Um, it we... is also maybe the worst slow-mo jog into frame I've ever seen on camera. <laughs> like when Suki runs out of the bar to rescue him, yeah. it's, it's like she thinks that the camera rate is going to be slowed down, but they're filming it in real time. She's just moving <laughs> slow. Okay, so... For everyone playing at home, let's try to go over the rules that they've created so far for this show, because there's a lot. Um, number one, uh, vampires exist. Uh, number two, vampires are integrating themselves into society and are trying to get like representation for themselves, um, trying to live like safely. Uh, a company is now making synthetic blood, which I have to imagine around this time is when uh, a lot of uh, pharmaceutical companies tried doing like pretty extreme tests on... Uh, on AIDS medications and stuff like that. Uh, True Blood is available, which I have to assume is like just a drink that vampires can have. Um, the vampires can be tied down with silver, which I has to be some sort of like ancient, like like really archaic like vampire lore kind of thing. Is there anything I'm missing so far? Oh, blood vampire blood is very healthy and is valuable. Is there anything else that I'm missing? Uh, vampire blood to regular humans is also viewed as like a drug in this yeah. world. Yeah. In the scene with Bill, they refer to Mac as drinking V-juice and that making him an addict. Okay. Yeah. And we yeah. can see like how obsessed he is. Like, I've, I think that that was, we didn't really talk about the rat rays uh, yeah. that much, but they mm -hmm. almost seem like this stereotype of just trash. Uh, that is there. They are drug dealers and sourcing the drugs from this livestock. And Suki comes to the rescue of them seeing Bill as a gold mine um, and him being saved by this woman who wants to be an ally. A couple of things um, mm -hmm. that happen after that. Uh, one that I just have is um, do we, there is a dog that just appears. Uh, do, we, do we get the live well hey there dog to let we you get know the, the, the live well there. hey there dog <laughs> and as someone who's watched a lot of this show um what do we think that dog is do we have any do we think that dog was randomly on set or i know what that dog is but i'd love to hear from y'all uh what you think that dog represents does that dog turn into a person at some point is that dog a werewolf because <laughs> Again, the twilight's tying, but silver was famously something that could pierce werewolf hearts. Yes. But she's put the silver kind of away. I don't know. I, I, I was very curious about like that, like guardianship and like affection that it showed her as kind of like some type of That's such a benevolent guardian of her in some way. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll tell you guys this. Rich. Yeah. You nailed it on the head. Yeah, it's a person. That is a person. <laughs> I'm not going to spoil which person it is that we have already met on this show. <gasps> but I will tell you there are also werewolves in this show. One being famously played by Joe Mangin Manginello. Um, Manganello. Manganello, excuse me. And then there are also fairies in this show. Damn. Um and that is when this show goes off the fucking rails. This uh, scene also does, we have to address, uh, again, back to Twilight. We get a reverse Twilight here, Ooh. which is that Suki cannot read 
Bill's thoughts. Now, in yes. Twilight, for those who are familiar with the novels or films, uh, Edward Cullen has the clairvoyant telepathic powers, and he cannot read Bella Swan's thoughts. Mm-hmm. So we're getting a reverse role here. Also, mm-hmm. again, just, you know, the... Uh, the, the the feminist icons here she gets the the clairvoyant abilities this time mm-hmm. around while uh bill just gets a southern draw and talks about juicy arteries in people's groins oh yeah that was a very sexual th- i wrote that down oh, big t- time uh you know when someone saves you and then you sexually harass them and threaten them at the same time <laughs> <laughs> that's hollywood baby that's pre yeah, me truly. that's pre me to hollywood yeah very the princess bride in some way. <laughs> yes. I I have two guesses as to who the dog is. Okay, go um, for it. And you, we can talk offline. Yeah. I think it's either Arlene okay. or Sam. Okay. So Ooh, that's all I'll say. I'm going to take guesses. a guess that it is Lafayette. Me too. Yeah, that's what okay. I was thinking. Okay. These are all really solid guesses. And guess what? Because They're all we talk about the pilot. <laughs> we're not going to answer it. Yes. No, oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. But no, ooh, ooh, ooh. Max, to your point, we do find out that Jason Stackhouse uh, is indeed Sookie's uh, brother in this case. And he's flirting with um, Dawn, who is played by Lily Collins, who, if you uh, know who Lily Collins, congratulations. Uh, but I know her from one of the largest flops. Uh, or is it Lily Collins? It is uh, Lynn Collins, excuse me. Lynn Collins is from one of Disney's greatest flops of all time, and that was John Carter. She played the alien princess in that uh, fun fact for those at home. Um, <laughs> um, I was going to say, uh, I, I believe that uh, Lily Collins is currently in Paris. <laughs> yeah, she is Emily ah. in Paris. Um, <laughs> but um, from here, we then go to um, Sookie's house slash Graham's house in this case um Lois Smith time baby I love the Graham character the Graham character is perfect and just very unassuming almost um and then we get this really interesting like I want to call it a nightmare but it's not it's like this fever dream-esque where Bill is doing his best, and my wife literally said this as we were watching this scene together. All right, Edward Cullen. Uh, like this just creepy <laughs> Most stand, people call it a sex window. dream. Jeff calls it a nightmare. Yeah. <laughs> we don't have time to get into that. He, Jeff famously doesn't want to do bad things to you. I'll give you my therapist Freud's number when we get off the line. Oh, I'm he really, I'm really excited. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but after this nightmare, we get this wild transition uh not from to Sookie awake but uh anna paquin just in a bikini uh getting a suntan suntan with her ipod classic stereo which uh prime 2008 stuff uh, and jason shows up with the greatest fit of all time just a sleeveless shirt mm-hmm. high school cap and a pair of jeans and i have no notes. I was actually uh, no thinking notes. about going shirtless for this recording just because of how much fucking man chest is in this episode. <laughs> it's the right amount. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna sugarcoat it. It's the right amount of man chest. And like we so we learn a couple of things uh in this scene. We learn that uh Maudette Pickens, who is the woman that Jason had sex with, uh is, was found dead. She was found <gasps> um There's so, been a murder. 
there, oh, there's yes, been there a has. murder there has um and we also learn the term and learn a little bit more about jason's um you know bigotry vampires yeah. bigotry yeah with uh calling them fangbangers or people who have sex with vampires fangbangers uh to which when graham says very earnestly what is a fangbanger i was just like yes um, Lois just, Smith following that up with the delivery of my stars is maybe my favorite oh, line man. this entire pilot. <laughs> it, it's like, it's like, uh, I don't know. It is just a Southern American, like, you kind of have to do it. You can't have a, you can't have a character who's going to be a Southern debutante without, without giving at least one my stars. Yeah. This, this five like stars last... for her my stars <laughs> this like delivery. final third of the show running joke though of like grams being more and more interested in vampires and asking suki more and more questions is so funny to me i love this character i don't know how much lois smith is going to be in this show i want it to be more than whatever it is <laughs> yeah I have, I have very bad news for you Matt. oh no we can talk oh. about that. we can talk about it after the uh, show we we killed her uh, we got rid of her as aunt wait did, did she die in twister as aunt meg i don't know she has made that amazing breakfast in the cast iron skill with the steak yep. and the eggs we'll talk about that off camera too <laughs> something we've already pre i was scrolling to see episode counts on imdb but someone from the mean girls cast spoiler to continue watching the series mm. is also in six episodes of true blood Ooh. is it tim meadows <laughs> it should be Tim Meadows. <laughs> Great question. Not to Tim my Meadows as a vampire. Oh would hell be, uh, no! I, I didn't I mean, abandon the pilot of True Blood for this. Yeah. yeah. Um. So <laughs> from here, we just really quickly, Jason gets arrested. Um. We find out that he thinks he's guilty based off of Sookie's very convenient telepathic powers. Um. To which you can tell. That's one of the interesting rules of this pilot that I'm intrigued by. Is like in the beginning. It almost seems like Suki has told no one she's telepathic. It's something that she deals with on a daily basis. By the end of this pilot, you can tell that everyone knows that Suki is telepathic. And we just go about our days and, like, just think whatever the fuck we want to think. Yeah, they sure do. Uh, knowing that she's listening <laughs> in on what they're talking about. Um, I also have a very just quick what the fuck here. Can we discuss chris bowers cajun accent as andy bellaflor when they arrest jason <laughs> <laughs> it is he he it's says like 15 words and i understand four of them <laughs> <laughs> which is accurate like that's what it should be if you truly hear somebody from that region you should be like yeah, we're gonna have to bring you down. Arrest you. Know, we've got evidence. Of like this, this man is a detective like, on. He's a detective on the scene, and I can't get a lick of what he's doing here, Chris Bauer. <laughs> yeah. um, well, you you get an interpreter if you get arrested in Louisiana. It's it's a legal requirement. English. I in, watched in this episode with subtitles, and it just said indistinguishable. <laughs> I did. I did like this is the a idea. scripted TV show. It's incredible. Um, <laughs> establishing like Jason's promiscuity, uh, but also that Maudette Pickens was sort of like the town. Um, let Let's just say, uh, she was very open and favorable to everyone. She was uh, very open, and she had a good time. And she that didn't is, discriminate. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No. Yeah. Um, but Jason gets taken in. Um, 
And we sort of get the idea of like, okay, the town knows because there's these three gentlemen, including Lafayette, who were there at the scene. Um, and immediate from this scene, immediately from this scene, we're back at Merlot's post-Jason arrest. Um, this is when we meet our potential daddy of the week, our man in overalls, um, because Tara is um, just being a very bad bartender, just reading a book and not providing any conversation. I, I have a also... name. <laughs> um, but then from here, we we do get this even greater picture of what is um, Merlot's like, what is the environment around vampirism as well. Because Bill is back, y'all. And he orders his glass of wine that he does not drink. Um, we get our second really sexy scene uh, with the slowdown of the walking oh, and all. There's that. actually my favorite line from the pilot as well. There's oh, l- go for it, please. May I call on you sometime? Woo! Woo! I was <laughs> like, minor, all right, I'm in. I'm into key. Bill. The yeah. minor key piano, the strings. The shadows, the light work as he sits at a table for four as one person. The, <laughs> the lead they don't make across, a table for one, Max. They don't make one. The lead across the table between Sookie and Bill, who are talking nose to nose. This is this is like one of those things that's like so sexually charged without being sexual. Yeah. And it's it's like a real powerful thing. I found out actually that so uh, Stephen Moyer and Anna Paquin yeah. are married in real life, and they met shooting this pilot. <gasps> yeah, they what? started they are, dating when they right nose, after the pilot. Mm-hmm. What? So when they are nose to nose in that scene, that you're watching two people fall in love in real time right there. And that is, that's that how you get a, a chemistry thing. read. Yeah, just, that's just to tell you all, they got married two years after meeting on the pilot. Dang. Uh, and they have a it. lovely family of four people. And Aww. also, just like and shout out. And two vampires. Uh, yep, unfortunately. <laughs> um, but just a shout out also to Anna Paquin because she got the confidence on this show to come out as bisexual after doing the show. Um, and like, shout out to. I think a lot of people came out as bisexual the after they saw this. <laughs> yeah, you know? <laughs> And, like, spoiler alert, there's a lot of attractive people in this pilot. There are so many more attractive people who are set to join the show, even just in episode two. Yeah, I'm not a Skarsgård. A Skarsgård joins the cast. Tarzan. Our Tarzan joins the I learned that prior to to this role, Alex Skarsgård's biggest role was being one of the dumb models in uh, in Zoolander. I had no idea that was him. No idea. Oh. Um, yeah. But from here, we have like that amazing interaction between them of, hey, can you do me a favor? Um, I'll see you when the bar closes. And Sam yeah, wanting will. to Sam wanting to save the day, but like also being a creep. Um, and Sam was in the running for my daddy of the week before that moment happened yeah. True. because. Yeah. Daddies have to be good people, uh, and <laughs> we have Sam, very we have very few rules on this podcast, but they're very rigid. Yeah, the, the love triangle <laughs> it's setting up, though, I'm very excited about potential future. But like, know? that's the thing that is wild to me. Like, 
Sam fully knowing and Tara being in front of him being like, I told you not to read my ma mind. And he's still just being like, oh, I love you so much. I love you so much. And it's just like, oh, yeah, smells so good. Oh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> it's it's so gross. But um, if if we but if he was thinking like uh, puppies and kittens and my grandma, you know, like doing the boner suppression thoughts, like wouldn't grandma, it be just grandma, grandma, grandma? Yeah, ten times the pledge of allegiance. Like, wouldn't it be ten times creepier if that's what was running? Like, if she could pick no, up all that, I would. Thought? That would be such a great joke. This like, show was uh, missing show. that one that one instance of someone doing that around Suki because that would have been oh, it's man. such a dumb laugh, but it's such a great laugh every single <laughs> if time. If someone was just sitting at the bar because they have ADHD, it's like eggs, bread, cheese, eggs, bread, cheese. <laughs> <laughs> Me constantly. Wave file, wave file, send audio in a wave file. It's been all oh at the back of my mind the whole time. Um, but at the end of the shift... This show ends on a cliffhanger. Oh boy! Um, and Suki, it's gets a cliff the beating, ever really. living crap beat out of her yeah. by the Rattrays. Yeah, they're back. No, in yeah, a big with, way. With no hero in sight, no signs of Bill, no signs of Sam or any of her friends. Yeah. Um, and yeah. that is how we end this pilot. It is so now, HBO to just have the horniest sh shot. Like right, I mean, there's literal sex in this episode, and there the horniest shot is Bill sitting down at the diner, and <laughs> just immediately going like like split second from horniest shot to violence is like oh man, an HBO like, masterpiece. Like you're kicked in the abdomen, and then like blood is pouring out of your mouth, like that yes. kind of violence. She's Ooh. not just like kind of getting punched around; like you're on the ground getting stomped. That is violent that blood yeah. pack that blood pack spit is like just textbook it really really did a lot of work there she yeah. she really nailed it yeah all right so with the pilot over what were some of the things that you love that maybe we did not talk about when talking about this show oh boy i mean i just like i want so much for lafayette in this show like i like mm. I love the banter of them all talking shit in the kitchen. That's like one, probably one of my favorite dialogue moments throughout the entire show. And I just cannot like when I watch more of this, I want so much for this one particular character. Um, and I've heard that Tara gets replaced with a different actress. Um, if I'm not mistaken, so uh, that was one of the things on that IMDb, I read. Tara's character says 80 episodes, whereas almost everyone else introduced in the pilot, mm. uh, the mains, have 81 characters. So I do think she may have been... Yes. So I, I will just say really quickly on that, they shot a tester pilot for focus groups. What we see is pretty much identical. There's like two minor tweaks. One of them is the actress who plays Tara. Okay. So the actress oh. that we see in the HBO broadcast pilot is our main Tara, oh. but somebody like for some reason IMDb they break it down into oh. original unaired pilot mm -hmm. and this episode okay. Strange Love as being two different episodes on IMDb for credit purposes. Okay. I will just say without spoiling anything that there are a lot of major characters in this show, very similar to Game of Thrones that get off. <laughs> um, 
And <laughs> contracts are complicated, Tara Jeff. May or may not be one of those. Um, oh no. Yeah, but one of the things I I know we spoke to this a little bit, but I know this was based off of the book. Um, but the world building in this pilot is immaculate. It's really good. Uh, really just setting up the idea of this small town, but what's happening outside of this small town yeah. in the United States, in the in the world, yeah. of the idea of where vampires are, the prejudice um, about them, and how society views them as a whole. Um, yeah. I, it is just, it is so well done, like, A+. Plus, and also, this is just, normally when there's this much, like, sex or, like, stuff like that in a pilot i'm like oh i'm distracted by it like ballers i was distracted by the amount of boobs that were in that pilot there were so many boobs <laughs> like just everywhere and like that is one of the things that just sticks out to me but in this it feels weirdly appropriate how much of it there mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. and like a plus to Alan Ball on doing yeah. that. Well, and I think about something that you said earlier, Erica, where you talked about um, Suki's lie about how she supported the like the vampire rights amendment, how it's like she's kind of being performative with her allyship, and like that's not really how you'd be a good ally, but just saying, well, I supported this thing. And it, it's kind of a throwaway line, but it tells you everything you need to know about the character and lets you move on from it as well. Uh, True Blood doesn't get too bogged down in like spinning its wheels and over-explaining things. Uh, Ball does a really good job of having these small little lines that tell you so much about a character and then lets you just move on to the next thing with you knowing what you need to know. Yeah. I, I was very interested when uh, your granny, gram, uh, grandmama, uh, is like, would he come speak to my history book? I was curious, though. Uh, you know, my, my, my club at the library, like, mm-hmm. are the daughter, like, what whatever club she referenced, I didn't know. It was like exactly. Daughters of the Glorious Dead it's, or something like that? It's the Descendants like, of the Glorious oh, Dead. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I'm like, north or south? What, yeah, you, you know, <laughs> like, the, you know yes. that answer. You know yes, that answer. That That's what I was who like. Who are you trying to get answers the great, for? When someone references it as the Great War, you know yeah. exactly what yeah. side they yeah. were on. Yeah. Gramps like, states right. States right. So we're like, phrase, no. War of Northern Aggression in her lifetime. <laughs> yeah, this is why I was not on board yeah. the Gram train. Yeah, she. Yeah, definitely. She. She was like, well, it was just a. You know, it was. Uh, it was like, mm. yeah, yeah, it, was, it was about. Had, it was about economics. <laughs> Great Grandpa uh-huh. was a decorated veteran of the Great War. And we're like, oh, we're gonna tear his no. statue down, Granny. Just so you know, yeah, yeah, that was very uh, told me a lot about. Like, you can be kind, but not be thoroughly a good person in a way. You know, like there's that dichotomy sure. so many people have in that. Yeah. So, any other things that we love that we did not talk about in this pilot? Carrie Preston being that, like, overworked, kind of sexy mom. Mm-hmm. That's just, like, she's so Kills good at that Nails kind it. of Kills character. Yeah. Like, I was like, oh, yeah, her boobies are pushed a little bit up. Of course, she's got a kid at home. But she's playing pool with the boys. And she's having a <laughs> flirt. Like, she needs that. Like, she's she, she works. She's a kid. She needs that. Like, I just think she's such a great actress. So I was really excited to see her in it. Yeah. Shout out, friend of the pod. Oh. All right. <laughs> now, in a moment, in a TV show that's filled with a lot of interesting moments, were there any wait a minute moments for any of you? 
just Graham being a potential still <laughs> potential still Confederate supporter. Yeah. <laughs> also, it made me wonder if Graham was indeed herself a vampire, because like if she still has that many connections to the Civil War. Right. Uh, oh, like, if I could only tell you, if oh I could only boy. tell you yeah. what's up with Graham. Oh boy. Because uh, I was like, oh, where does Suki get this uh-huh. abilities from? Like, uh-huh. who are her parents? Like, why is Graham Graham raising him? I was like, a lot unsaid. Yes. Also, he, the brother, <laughs> like oh. Jason's job of just being like shirtless reading a magazine. <laughs> is he like supervising? <laughs> Look, I, I the was economy so, was terrible back then. It was terrible. It's like I'm going to watch you dig hole. Like, was he supervising prisoners? They were in. Like... The, they were public. It was public works. They yeah. were all in. That's what prisoners. their shirt said. It said like Got they were it. all in the public works department. So okay, my guess is just very easy. <laughs> there seems to only be like four jobs in Bontem. Yes, there is. Yes. You work at the police department. You work in the public works department. You work at Merlot's. Or you are a uh, on the wrong side of the Civil War. Those yes, are the four yeah. jobs. Yeah, you're economy you drivers. Have. You're yeah. a soothsayer yeah. or something. <laughs> or you sell V. Oh, sorry. There's a oh yeah. There's jobs. the illegal underground current, of course. which is basically yeah. seems like vape store kind of uh, <laughs> economics there. Um, any any other wait a minute moments? Oh man, how is Jason that bad of a liar? I've never seen anyone be that horrible at lying. Like, it doesn't matter if it's to the police. Like, I feel like, you know, Bon Tomp is, like, small enough that they probably, that he probably knows both of those cops, like, personally. And he is still just the worst liar I have ever seen in my life. There are some moments in this pilot where it's, like, the acting is kind of not great. And maybe it's just everyone figuring out the dialogue. It's maybe figuring out the world building. It's figuring mm-hmm. out their own characters and stuff like that. Some of it seems rushed, and Jason just being the worst liar in the world is so... It was like... It's like a very pivotal moment in the show, but it just made me laugh. Like, I, you know, I, I don't think they nailed it with that particular one, but they really made him look dumb. Was the lady, uh, Rathray's, uh, I'll get you, bitch! Was that an ADR line, or was she on <laughs> camera to say that? Because I was like, I like that they were like, no, we have to have, like, we need to show... Oh, that's so ADR. I was like, yeah. beautiful We line. need to, foreshadowing. Uh, yeah. Foreshadowing on the nose. We don't have an ending yet. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, well, with all this said, um, before we get to our in-flight question, we have to ask, and I need a solid answer from each of you, who is this pilot's daddy of the week? Um, Erica, as our guest. I'm gonna have to go. I, I like my daddies with a little, a little padding. Mm-hmm. Lafayette's a strong runner up, but he's a little too. He's lean. Yeah, he's agile. <laughs> he's gonna be able to do like backflips and kick you. I like the daddy <laughs> in the overalls. Like All you've right. got a clear right. advantage. He's gonna be warm in the winter. You know you're flying first class if you fly with him because you don't fit. Like he has so many advantages. Like we're going to the steakhouse twice a week. Like yeah, we're you're not... thinking three moves ahead. Oh, wow. I, yeah, I know my daddies. So he also I, seems like he seems like a solid listener, and we love a daddy that listens. Yeah, he taught, he listened more than he talked in that scene. Two ears, one mouth. I love daddy. Which is daddy the, the straight male Bechdel test. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Max Rich, do you have a daddy of the week? Well, uh, in the spirit of Tennessee Williams, I have to dub a big daddy of the week. <laughs> and I'm, I'm going to go with Vampire Bill. Uh, yeah. If the if the music and lighting shifts around you every single time you <laughs> enter a room, you're doing something right as a daddy. Um, if you lead across the table at your co-star and then you marry them, you're doing something right. True. That's that's the definitive daddy. That's why Brandon Angelina worked out. Yeah. Well, and as we've learned on The Bachelor, if you whisper. <laughs> they have to come in. It's an intimacy drawer. Like the lower your voice is, they can't hear you if they're four love, feet away. You you got to draw them call. in. I think yeah. this is a. I think that is a uh, pickup artist move. If I if I remember correctly, who, who knows? Yeah, who can say? Who can say? Shout out to the incel community. Not friends of the pod. <laughs> <laughs> Bill's totally peacocking in that just like plain shirt. You know. Yeah. Um, I gotta go, Lafayette. I I. I Everyone wants to fuck Lafayette. I, it is like, no matter how much they mess with him in the kitchen or like, you know, the back and forth and everything. I mean, there is no one that is more eye catching and like exudes like sexual confidence than Lafayette. And yeah, that that's all I need. I'm also just going to give credit um, because I think everyone here has a fantastic answer to our good old boy vampire uh, because we love someone who sticks up for themselves uh, as well as their group and make sure to let people know if you fuck with my people, you fuck with me. As Uh, good old boy vampire said before the fangs came out, I'll fuck you, then I'll eat (laughs) you. Such a good line. Yes. Well, um, we do have an in-flight question this week. Uh, in-flight questions are submitted to us by uh, friends of the pod on our DMs as well as voicemails. But this week, uh, very simple. If vampires existed in our world, which version from the pop culture pop culture zeitgeist would you want to have around? Oh, hell yeah. Uh, so there are a lot of different options and opportunities and I am going to say, uh, in maybe a little bit of a controversial statement, I actually, no, not so controversial. I want the vampires from what we do in the shadows uh, to exist, because then that proves to me that energy vampires do exist. They are in my life, and I can find them and know that they are there. Um, <laughs> what about you, Erica? So it's a, it's a, it's a definite tie between... The what we do in the shadows clan because it's so diverse there's mm-hmm. so many different groups i mm-hmm. love that but i'm a throwback old school and, and i love a interview of a interview Ooh, with a vampire right. world of just like a movie something like <laughs> like trying to get along like the yeah i i think that world i would just be like oh finally i'm, I'm kind of where i belong <laughs> like i don't want to work <laughs> i just want to talk like i'm in a tennessee williams play i want to have cool clothes and money that sounds great like that that might be the world i kind of want to bandy about in do you think the Bill Noir interview at the very beginning is a nod to Interview with a Vampire? Because oh. it's literally interviewing a vampire in the first two minutes. Wow. I have yeah. never thought He's about that, Christian but I love Slater. that. He's the Christian Slater. Wow. Oh, yes, right. because when I see Bill Mayer, I think <laughs> Christian Slater, they are the same human being. 
Uh, I mean, they're white men. Like, oh. yeah, sure, you know, they're both privileged white men. Uh, Max, what about you? So I'm going in a little bit of a different direction. I didn't really grow up with like a, a grandfather figure necessarily in, in my my home. So I got to give it to the Count from Sesame Street. Nice. That oh is the God. real yes, life that is the right vampire answer. I, yes. I want. That is the only answer. And Rich, uh, do you have a vampire to add? Yeah, to round us out. Uh, I honestly, because I was uh, when you asked this question, I was a little bit torn between... Um, what we do in the shadows universe and true blood actually because what we do in the shadows for as fun as they are they seem to kill people very haphazardly mm-hmm. and it's kind of like without consciousness and i feel like living in a world like that would probably be pretty horrifying as a human being um so i'm gonna go with true blood because uh they seem to want to be integrated into society they're not settling they're not settling for um being outcasts who just like want to murder at will they're they're figuring out different ways to actually be part of the human race, which I think is pretty dope. Uh, so I'm going I'm going to go with the True Blood universe on this. Having not seen more of the show, I is there a contingency of the vampires that are like, no, we don't want to integrate. We are who we are. We will continue to kill people. I'm just curious. I don't, I don't know. Was that plot? I don't know. I'll have to keep watching. To <laughs> oh, that plot my God. And, was and tune in next week. I will just say some of the people that are on this show will blow your mind. I am going to just a uh, little bit of like a teaser. A certain person from Law & Order SVU stars in this show mm. for a couple of episodes, and it is magnificent. Um, you told well, me I'm getting Christopher Maloney. <laughs> I, I am not saying it is or is not Christopher Maloney, but it might be. Yeah. Um, is it Ice V? <laughs> oh, my God. Oh. Um, so let's talk a little bit about... First, thank you for that in-flight question. If you have them, we'll put out uh, things on our Instagram. You can reach out to us as well um, by email on our voicemail. But... Let's talk a little bit about the legacy of this show. So this show lasted for seven seasons and 80 episodes. It actually did so well on its first season that they moved it from being a fall HBO show to a summer HBO show. Because what are you going to do on a Sunday uh, during the middle of the summer but watch HBO? Um, So I want to mention a different show that we did earlier on this podcast Tom from Cincinnati, or John from Cincinnati, excuse me, and how this show relates. So John from Cincinnati on its first episode had 3.4 million viewers. Mm-hmm. How many do we think True Blood had? <laughs> like eight. 3.4 million viewers? 6.4. One, 1.44 million viewers. Well, it John from actually, Cincinnati supremacy. I'm telling you guys it, over and over. It actually was seen as really people were questioning whether or not the show would survive. But here's the wild change that happened. By the end of the first season in November, it was getting about 6.8 million views per episode because we are also now in the beginning of the streaming era Mm -hmm. thanks to, uh, I found out this week that Hulu was turning uh, 15 years old. So, hey, congratulations, 
this is one of the shows that benefited from that. Um, most popular seasons were seasons three and four, where they averaged on premiere 4.97 million viewers per episode, which is pretty solid. Um, let's talk a little bit about awards. Uh, the show was nominated for 134 different awards and won 44 of them, including uh, Emmy for Outstanding Cast for a Drama Series, as well as Anna Paquin winning a Golden Globe for Best Performance by a Actress in a Television Drama. Um, this is also our first show to ever appear in the Scream Awards, uh, which are awards given to horror-based properties. Nice. Uh, and it won most of its awards. In the Scream Awards. Um, unfortunately, I am very sad to say this does not win our Cradle to Grave Award. Uh, yeah, I bet. It, <laughs> this is not for while, teens. <laughs> while, no, no, There's no. There's so much Wait fucking. For it. Wait for it. Uh, while it won some People with Choice Awards and was nominated for multiple Teen Choice Awards, it failed to receive a nomination for a kids choice award Good. Uh, so, Good. it's a rated r show um, but a dog you, comes and licks a lady on the face like, oh, that's man. such a but it's a, a human dog moment. licking someone on the face oh i we do say i am covered in the slab <laughs> um so you can actually find all of the seasons of the show on dvd uh, if you are more in the streaming era, you can find it on HBO Max. And as we talked about at the start of this podcast, uh, based off of, you know, HBO and Discovery's current strategies of getting as many eyes on as many properties as possible, you can now find this on TNT as well. Um, there was talk of this show being rebooted very recently, uh, but the CEO of HBO as soon as recently as this month when announcing the TNT um, simulcasting, said that there are a few scripts that have been passed around in development, but nothing is currently slated. Yeah, to this was happen. killed last month. Unfortunately, it was going to be helmed by uh, Roberto Aguirre Sacasa, who is best known for his work as the showrunner and creator of Riverdale. So we could have been going full Riverdale that shit cuckoo in the true blood world and we're not gonna get to see that uh as long as cole sprouse isn't getting more work i'm fine with that <laughs> uh and that is topical uh well, we so... won't call him daddy Aww. hey oh there we go erica i'm very proud of you for that <laughs> um but with the legacy sort of wrapped up maybe some legacy in the future rich we have now gotten to your game of the week. Yeah. So this one I have called two true bloods and a lie blood. Oh. <laughs> all right. I have compiled. He stayed up all night working on that. <laughs> There's no bad uh, ideas in brainstorming. Oh, <laughs> uh, there can be. Uh, <laughs> that, that's, a, that's a challenge. All right. I have come up with three uh potential facts about the just the lore and the overall reception of true blood as a whole and i would love to see which one you guys can all group together and try to figure out which one is the one i made up all right so first uh first potential fact about the show snoop dogg made a rap song about true blood mm -hmm. the second one Anna Paquin wanted the role so badly she showed up to the audition covered in fake blood and the third, a fan really made a True Blood drink, and you can buy it online. 
Which one do you guys think is the fake? Well, gosh, this is one I'm going to take myself out of the run. Because he knows already. (laughs) And Max, what do you think is the lie? So what I'm going to say about auditioning, especially as a woman, is if you're like a disheveled mom, you still want to be the hottest fucking disheveled mom. Like you're still full glam, but like, oh, your hair's a little messy or like your shirt's one sleeve's rolled up and one sleeve's down. Like you like it doesn't matter if you're playing like mud dirt lady you're the hottest mud dirt lady like like casting directors producers just cannot see past that like it's just a a human filter so i have questions about anna paquin showing up in fake blood like i'm like but was she hot in it like you know like was she was her face not covered in blood like you still have to want to be the most like fuckable person in that character. Yeah, it didn't even matter that Anna Paquin had an Oscar. It's, is she hot? (laughs) It sucks. That's just what it is. Like, yeah. Oh, you've got the shortest skirt, the highest heels, and, you know, for chemistry read, like, you actually flirt. Like, it's just... So that's the one that makes me question. Because I feel like the true blood could be not actually blood, but, like, some cocktail mixer you could buy. And Snoop? You know, he's a motiv- he has a rap song about, like, motivating kids to do their best. Like, <laughs> he's got rage. A man could rap about anything. Truly. So I don't... Uh, I, I'm feeling the second... Like, Anna Paquin wanted the role so badly she showed up to the audition covered in fake blood. A, the Uber rating. You'd have to bring your own trash bag to cover <laughs> the seats. Like, if it's your own car, like, that's a mess. The Uber rating. I just want to imagine her, like, pouring the blood out in while she's in the, like, the room with everyone else. And they're like, oh, shit, where do I get the fake blood? Right. Oh, yeah. That definitely tim- intimidates all the other actresses. Like, I, yeah, that one feels Max, not true to me. What do you think? So breaking it down here, Snoop Dogg has never said no to a commercial opportunity once in his life. <laughs> so he's probably done a song about True Blood. Um, I don't know if this is true or not, but like, don't don't buy food and drink from like influencers and people online. Just just don't don't do it. It's not <laughs> FDA approved. It's You're the new pink sauce. Well. Yeah, oh, don't, don't That's buy at Walmart red sauce. now. Uh-huh. <laughs> what? Yeah. Pink sauce yeah, got don't... approved by the FDA, and it's actually they sold really in Walmart's it. now. Don't buy pink sauce. Don't buy red <laughs> sauce. Don't don't buy any of these things that you see from people's Etsy shops. Um, that uh God, yeah, I I feel like I have to go with the Anna Paquin one as well. Cause like, I can believe that somebody made like a bloody Mary mix or something and true blood themed it like as a bootleg Snoop Dogg. I don't know. has probably made a rap song for every single HBO series, like dating back to 1997. <laughs> so I'm going to just go with the Anna Paquin one. Well, both of you guys, both of your instincts are absolutely correct because while uh, Anna Paquin did aggressively pursue this role in particular, uh, they were not casting blonde women. That was one thing. They were mm-hmm. only going with brunettes, but she kept going and and telling her management to, to go after this one particular role. Um, Snoop Dogg did, in fact, uh, make a rap called Oh Sookie because he had a crush on the character. Uh, and someone did, in fact, sell a real knockoff of True Blood that you could purchase online. Well, Rich, thank you so much for your game of the week. All right. Well, our plane is coming to a land, and we have two final questions for each of you. Would 
you continue watching this show? And do you think this show could be remade for today? Erica is our guest. What do you think? Absolutely. I'm going to continue to. I already told my partner, Winston, I was like, we're going to start watching True Blood. <laughs> I was like, that's our new. What are we doing tonight after dinner? We're mm-hmm. watching True Blood show uh, we're not going to rewatch succession again and you know all the <laughs> <laughs> until the new season starts like we're going to watch true blood so i uh, yeah absolutely and i do think it could be remade today i i still i think the 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 you know the civil rights allegories stand just as much as today with mm-hmm. everything that's being thrown and the assault on the lgbtq community like i i think those themes still resonate hard and i also just think um if it were made now, it might even be sexier. Yeah. Like HBO yeah. was like, oh, we're doing sex. And it's like, no, babes. You're just we, can see, sex. we can see penis on White Lotus. Why not see it on We can True see Blood? dong now. I can yeah. see hole. Like we've we've let's we've see bust it. through we bust through the dong and hole glass ceiling. <laughs> yes. Let's put a camera out through a vagina into a shot. Like wow. that aerial shot. Yeah, I'm just saying it's it's happening. There'll be a drone. Well, like the opening scene of Boogie Nights. I want a reverse colonoscopy, colonoscopy yeah. happening on screen. Show me whole. Like, yeah, it's gonna, I think it'd be much sexier today, too. Max, what about you? So as much fun as I had watching this episode, I I don't think I'm going to keep going on with True Blood. I, it, I think it's effective. I think it definitely can suck you in. And I can see hey. how people do, like, grab onto the show and love it. Um, I don't think I'm one of those people. As for it being made today, I mean, until a month ago, yeah, it was going to be remade. So obviously there's still interest in this. Vampires are by far the fucking hottest of these supernatural beings. Uh, mummies are far too covered. Uh, Frankenstein monsters just don't whoa, whoa, you know, whoa. give that sex appeal. Well, um, Incorrect, unless they're played mix, by Peter Boyle. You can mix parts. From all different folks. Wow. And make a mega person. That's right. Okay, I, I will reevaluate my Frankenstein monster <laughs> take. However, saying. mummies mummies are far too covered for 2023 <sighs> yeah. peak TV. Uh, yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised if something <laughs> of this sort did come down the pipeline eventually. Absolutely. Rich, what about you? Uh, absolutely, I'm watching episode two on this. Like, I'm, I'm really hoping the acting gets better, but uh, overall, like, and I have pretty like intense confidence that it would um but yeah i mean they set up a lot of like cliffhangers about the backstory of sookie and her family and everything the backstory of like how the vampire infestation came to be and stuff like that it is really like i don't know i'm going for it and and yeah i think it could be made today for exactly the reasons erica said like i mean there's nothing more prescient right now than people attacking the LGBTQ community. Unfortunately, we have just regressed to that particular fight again. Yeah. And yeah, I think uh, I think having a class of people that are uh, under attack again and uh, would lend itself very very well to this narrative. And uh, yeah, but yeah, there's gonna be a lot more hole in it, like you said. Fun, fun and... fact, Snoop Dogg, there was, so I own this album, but Game of Thrones did a mixtape that was rap and metal What called Catch the Thrones. Everyone should what? download oh. it. And Snoop Dogg did the Lannister theme song. And I quote, 
we got the power seven kingdoms strong wow there is a snoop wow. dog rap. damn snoop so, when does he sleep i will end us out with um 100 this show could be remade um i hope that someday hbo is being run to actually make art rather than be making all the money um, because I think we are losing out on a lot of amazing stuff. I have hope, right? Amazon just picked up a uh, Batman animated series that got canceled by HBO um, a couple weeks ago. So there's hope yet maybe for True Blood someday. Um, as far as me watching this, this is definitely something I can see just watching by myself again. Um, it's been such a long time since I have watched this show. Uh, and I think that it deserves uh, at least a few more episodes, if not a full season review. Um, with that said, our plane has come to a land, and so has the end of this podcast. But I would love to make sure that everyone knows where to find y'all. Erica, one, thank you so much for coming on this podcast. Yeah, thank you. But two, where can we find you? Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. This was so much fun and I'm excited to find like a, a new old show to like really <laughs> invest in. Uh, but you can find me uh, personally at Iconic Erica Curry. Uh, I'm an aspiring icon. Not there yet. Nice. Uh, but you can find the podcast Trashy Trashy Podcast on any of your podcast players. We're at Trashy Trashy Pod on Instagram, TikTok and Twitter. And uh, yeah, we talk about again garbage people trashy news stories we you know we're the authority so let us let us know if you have any trash stories i'm subscribing today thank you (laughs) max where can we find you oh you could find me pulling up to the uh the bar in bald town louisiana (laughs) at merlette's bar and grill uh, you can find me on all things social media at Maxwell Sing. Uh, you can find original sketch comedy for myself and Rich on TikTok at Dad Wagon Comedy as well. And you can find me cracking open a couple cold ones of True Blood with the boys and uh, on Instagram at Damn That's Rich. And you can find me trying to figure out is overall daddy really a daddy? <laughs> uh, you can also find me at Run Jeff Run on Instagram t- and Twitter. You can find the TV Pilots License on YouTube, Twitter, and Instagram, as well as our TikTok at TV Pilots License. If you have a question about the show or for our next episode, make sure to shoot us an email at tvpilotslicense at gmail.com or give us a call at 213-290-1713. Make sure to watch out for sneak previews of upcoming episodes. But with the plane landed and the seatbelt sign off, we look forward to flying the bright skies of the TV world with you again soon. And until then, suke.